Hey, I'm Kendall. Hi, I'm Noelle. And today we're going to be talking about our topics for the uh, 90s and 2000s era. And mine were diversity and the aging population. And I had how Hurricane Katrina and the loss of U.S. jobs, US jobs yeah. affected the world. <laughs> yeah, the world and how they've like changed over time. And today. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. I can edit all of this. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so we talk about our topics now. Okay, so I did the aging population and diversity, and I think that during this time period in the 90s, um, compared to, like, now the to 2019, is definitely different. There's more diversity, and the population has definitely changed because... Am I talking close enough? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, there are a lot of old people in the 90s. <laughs> There's a big age gap. And it just wasn't as diverse here in Austin. It was... And communities have been growing. Lakeway is totally transformed. It's huge. Mm-hmm. I even... I just remember, like, most of these, like, things and buildings we have, they, um... Wait, I'm getting, like, off topic. <laughs> I forget what to say. I interviewed Leslie Micus. She was born in 1971, so she meets the criteria to be... She was an adult in the 90s, so she is a licensed physical therapist, and she does um, home health with elderly people, and she's also the head of special education for Leander ISD. So that's actually... When I was interviewing her, she was talking about how um her being working with like the elderly really um opened like up her eyes about how many older people there are compared to when she was like younger like you don't really pay attention to like these age gaps uh thank you dr simon and miss micus for letting us interview you and really get like their perspective because you know they were born before us they were adults in this time period they lived through all of this at relatively young enough ages where it really impacted them because they were that generation experience it Mm -hmm. um and with especially now that you are adults now having children in decades now after all that's happened and how it's affected us you know how to like, well, things, like, have evolved, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's different. Like, we had a hurricane recently, but I feel like... I, wasn't it Harvey Bigger? It was Harvey or something. Different aspects but, of it. Hurricane Katrina had more of a damage on land. Harvey was bigger in the sea. Yeah. And also, like, what? This was, like, several decades ago. Things are going to change. And mine was um, a lot about diversity and aging, and I feel like... Diversity is another big thing because, um, I mean, people come for jobs, and I think a lot of people also come to, like, this... We have a lot of immigrants, too. Immigrants, yeah, immigration's a big thing. A lot of people are fleeing to come here. America's, you know, considered to be safe. And um, people come for different areas for jobs. I know a lot of people move to Lakeway because we have a good school system. You know, that really plays a role, and I feel like compared to... And with with the world we live in now it's more acceptable to have different races like people the, the different races and the cities yeah and everything living and here together that is also one. there's also when you're talking about diversity that can also be an economic light so there can be 
And Lakeway, it's fairly privileged, pretty privileged, yeah. I would say. <laughs> but compared to, you know, like, East Austin, like... And or even, even that, like, Houston. Yeah, it's totally different. And it's, people, you can see, like, people who have moved here from different areas, they, they seem almost like they act different. They're... I would say they have a less entitled and more humble yeah, definitely aspect on things. And it's just all about where you're raised and you and usually and the like, communities you were in. Like those areas with the loss of jobs, they have lower income jobs or maybe not everybody has a job. Or even like kids are Force, like, cause Coming here, kids don't worry too much about getting jobs. They get a job because they want one. Yeah, I mean, people have it taken care of. Like, their parents have them. Not that they have to. No, yeah, and I don't think a lot of kids get that. But, um, like, in, like, lower economical areas, more you'd probably see more kids having more hardworking jobs because, you know, that's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily even have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And then people, like, aren't people still recovering from Hurricane Katrina? People are still, they're still recovering. Like, I went to New Orleans last year. They're still recovering. They're still building. They're still picking up trash. There's still areas, like the mall. Like, you could tell that it used to be, like, this, like, amazing hotspot. And now Mm -hmm. it just looks dirty and whitewashed. And, like, all the outside. The inside's refurbished and everything. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's still specific places where you can tell they're still suffering. They're trying to build it up. Especially the people that have less money. Yeah, and, and they not cannot, live they, in the tourist they can't area. Afford it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what that happened in two thousand five, and it's still recovering. It's yeah, and kids our age are having to, you know, we're having to help refurbish everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, diversity. People, people are born every day. People die every day. Diversity is everywhere, whether it's a race. And in Hurricane Katrina, more of the elderly people died than young people. Or even, people. like, people, some people didn't want to leave, you know? That's their home. Yeah, they wanted to stay, and they chose to... And, like, they couldn't afford to. And it was typically the... the Not the elderly, not the too young. It was around the people that had a little bit more money, so they had started off... Because the elderly mm-hmm. couldn't stay. There was They had to leave to go to, like, hospitals and more mm-hmm. health places. And then the young can't support themselves in a place that's already suffering yeah but diversity is everywhere struggles everywhere and jobs are hard to come by didn't we have like a there was there was the loss of seven million manufacturing jobs and a gain of that's seven 32 lives other jobs who are changed every day yeah okay um i'm interviewing my mom for my u.s history project and um, I needed to interview somebody who was born before the year 1980, so my mom was born in 1971 on March 17th, and she is a physical therapist. She's, you're the head of special education in Leander, right? I am the special, um, the head of occupational therapy and physical therapy for Leander ISD in special education. And then she also does home health with, like, elderly people. So the two topics that, um... I chose from my uh, deep dive research was uh, 1990s through 2000s diversity and aging population. So my first question would be, were you exposed to a lot of diversity in Austin during this time period? Do you think the diversity has lessened or grown? So in 1990, um, I was exposed to some diversity. I 
am from South Austin, grew up in South Austin. At that time, um, there was mostly white folks, but there were some Hispanics and some African-American families um, in my neighborhood, but there were more in my school. I went to Crockett High School from far South Austin, so there were more African-Americans and Mexicans or Latinos in my school, not many Asians, um, more than, there were more in my school than in my neighborhood. And do you feel like that's changed or that we've, I mean, I know you don't, we don't live in that area anymore, but just from, I know you go all around Austin, Leander, do you feel like diversity has like grown or is it the same or less? I feel like it's about the same, but it's very pocketed. Um, we here in Lake Travis have um, fewer African Americans and Hispanic families. Um, there are some Asian and Indian families here that are in the higher socioeconomic levels. Where I work in Leander, we have um, there's a large shift of socioeconomic and diversity families depending on where you live. So down south, close to the dam, it's mostly white and Asian American. And farther north, there are white, Mexican American, and African. Um, but I feel like that probably was less during the 90s and 2000s, even though I wasn't there at that time. Um, it was mostly um, farming families and ranching families in the Leander, North Austin area um, uh, uh, from white background. Yeah, and also my mom married a Mexican man. So, like, I think that, like, counts, I guess, for diversity because did you you met him in Austin, right, in school? I met him at Crockett High School. Um, Kendall's dad is Hispanic. I met him in the late 80s. We married in 1992. Um, he was actually from a neighborhood of mostly white families, um, higher socioeconomic level than my family in South Austin. And, um, but anyway, there, he, um, there were some Hispanic families and black families, um, when I was growing up. Okay. And then this one is about like the aging population. And by this, I can mean, like, two things. Well, I'll explain more. Okay, my second question is, did it ever seem like there was a huge age gap between your generation compared to the elderly generation during that time? So does that make sense? I mean, like, basically, when you were my age, did it seem like there were a lot of middle-aged people and then older people? Or, like, does that make sense? Yeah, so um, it may there may have been more people that are um, aging when I was that age, but I might not have noticed. Um, of course, I had my grandparents that were still living, my father's parents and my mother's parents were still living, so those were the most prominent aging individuals that were, um, they were in my life. I didn't have awareness of many more except for my friends, maybe, friends and families, aging grandparents. Um, baby boomers, my parents, 
of course, I thought they were really old then, but they weren't. They were in their 30s and 40s at that time. Actually, maybe 50s in the 90s. Um, but I wasn't aware of a huge gap in aging folks until I became a professional in 1996. I began working in a nursing home as a physical therapist, and I did see a large population of aged folks from late 50s to early 90s. Um, And I continue to work with folks at that level. Okay, so you just seem, like, you weren't as aware, and when I was thinking of these questions, like an aging population, like when you're younger, you're not really paying attention But I think, like, it was good that you contributed that, like, now that you're working with older people, you notice that, like, it seems like there's more than you thought of. And then since, I mean, you're not that old, so they probably were still alive, like, when you were young. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there were folks that were older. I just did not have awareness as time has gone on from 80s, 90s, and even to where we are now. Technology in in the medical community has increased tremendously, and pharmaceutical um, treatments have improved tremendously. So, obviously, folks are living longer. I have a 95-year-old gentleman that I work with and a 100-year-old lady that I'm working with right now. But those folks may not have been able to um, sustain back in the 90s because some of the things that they are challenged with now may not have been something that they could have lived with in the 80s or 90s. What was, you told me like that fact earlier, like about how many people would be turning 50 this year? Whenever, let's see, when I was in physical therapy school in the 90s, mid 90s, and I graduated, I actually entered physical therapy school in 1992 and graduated in 1996. Um, At that time, it was Southwest Texas State. But at that time, when we graduated, um, my class was, um, there was a fact that was in one of my classes, I don't remember, but at that time, they said that there were, there would be, for the next 20 years, there would be 50,000 people turning 50 every single day. So that's for the next 20 years, including, I mean, I've been a therapist now for 20 years, so that was back then, but that's a huge population of individuals turning 50, needing health care, needing community resources and retirement resources, um, starting in the 90s until recently. And I feel like I haven't heard a fact like that now, a current fact, but I feel like with the population that I work with and with technology the way it is within the medical community, there are folks, it's probably a higher percentage than that, um, turning 50 or older every single day in the U.S. that we are charged with taking care of. Okay, so my next question is, um, when you hear the word diversity, um, what immediately comes to your mind? Well, diversity, I think of different um, different types of people, different socioeconomic levels, different ages of folks. Um, so to me, it, it's more than just 
the color of skin or where you're born or, um, you know, what your background is. It's a, it's about your age. It's about your socioeconomic level. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't think about that. Cause like when I first hear diversity, I think like my automatic is like race, but like, you're right with like the aging and like people's, um, economical level, because that even varies like out here now. Um, my fourth question is, did it ever seem like there were a lot of people your age or that there were many people that were not your age? Does that make sense? Like, did, did, like right now there's, I feel like there's a, at like Travis High School, there's like a ton of kids. Did you feel like there was like, your class was really big in the 90s or did you feel like it was on like the smaller side? At that time, of course, I felt like it was large. Compared to what you're living now, I'm sure it was on a very small scale. But at that time, my peer group and my world was people my age um, and our parents who were at that time in their 30s and 40s. Okay, and my last question is, um, can you compare the level of diversity from where you are um, from to different places around the U.S., is there more or less? So, I mean, like, we're from Austin. Have you ever visited visited anywhere else, like, in the U.S. that you felt like definitely had more diversity compared to, like, Austin? Um, I've lived in Austin most of my life since I was four years old. Um, I feel like things here have shifted from that time. There are a whole lot more um, different ethnicities and cultures, cultures and diversity, um, here than there were growing up. But I think New York City is a place that there's diversity. I have visited there and definitely noticed, um, almost I felt like the minority there. That was in the 80s and late 90s. I've been there a couple of times. And also in Florida, believe it or not, there were Cubans, there were lots of retired geriatric folks that were from different places in the U.S., but ha- they have chosen to retire in Florida. Um, and um, in Texas, in South Texas, I actually have a piece of property now. And, yeah, there's more Latinos, Hispanics um, in that area, and definitely lower so- socioeconomic levels depending on where you travel. Okay, well, that was my interview with my mom. She was born in 1971, and she doesn't look a day over 30. Thank you. Um, so the first question is, how would you describe the early 2000s, and what would you want future citizens of the U.S. to know? second because I was before you start recording all right so the 2000s it would start with the most important thing that happened in the 2000s was the very beginning September 11th 2001 Um, the attacks on the World Trade Center and how that changed our country as I knew it anyway Mm -hmm. it became uh, for the first time ever, we felt unsafe, and and for the first time in a long time, we felt very united against something uh, 
an evil that was scary and and um, yeah, it was a time that brought the country together. Something really bad happened and something kind of good came out of it. I think that's what's most important about the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when Hurricane Katrina hit, where were you and like did it impact your immediate life? If not, do you like know anybody that like got really affected by it or? Um, Katrina happened sometime in the mid-2000s. 2005, yeah. And it mostly impacted New Orleans and Florida, Mississippi, the Gulf Coast, um, Gulfport, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't have a direct impact on my life. We were here in Austin, Texas, um, and happened in the summer, and I wasn't you know, other than it rained. It rained a lot, here. yeah. <laughs> that was about it. Um, but there was an impact in our life that I remember, in my life, again, like in 2001, a feeling of feeling unsafe and realizing how big nature is and and how quickly things can turn and how much, how little we can do about it. Yeah, um, like your secure, safe security bubble is like yeah. not as. Yeah, like nature can turn on you, and we could, you know, we could all die tomorrow if first temperature went up ten degrees. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just huge, and that's. Um, I remember being taken back. I think there was a lot of human error in two thousand five with Katrina, that caused the problem to be bigger than it needed to be and unnecessary loss of life because of bad decisions. It highlighted the importance of leadership, good leaders um, who made good decisions because a lot of leaders made poor decisions and a lot of people died because of that. It also, I think, highlighted to a lot of, a lot of us the importance of self-sufficiency, the importance of taking care of yourself and your family and making decisions for your own family. Many people suffered or died because they were ill-prepared and as a member of the church for me personally as a member of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints it really brought to mind the warnings of our prophets that we needed to prepare ourselves and prepare our families and have plenty of water and plenty of food and a lot of people after just one day were starving and dying of thirst because they have no preparation, no means for taking care of their families. And so it it was uh, personally the time that um, made me feel um, even more the responsibility to prepare myself and my family. And, and it increased my faith in our leaders that have been teaching this for a long, long time. To see so many people that were unprepared and seemed to take very little responsibility for their own safety, their own well-being. Um, it, it helped me have a stronger desire to be prepared personally and to uh, be ready to make good decisions for my family. And in that case, a lot of folks should have left and they didn't leave and they suffered greatly. Yeah, most decided to stay behind and rebuild, but then... Well, and a lot of them... They had 
a chance to go and they didn't go and and then they got stuck and and then they were really upset because they were stuck with no food and water and they had a chance to go when they had a chance to go mm -hmm. and if they stayed and weren't prepared you know that's that's partially on on them and it was interesting to see how little responsibility people take during times like that the quote-unquote victims were uh, certainly not responsible in their minds the government and the leadership were playing hot potato with who was responsible for the poor handling of New Orleans and nobody wanted to take responsibility it was interesting to see that yeah, most of the people that, like, actually died, because a lot of people were left homeless or injured, but most of the people that died were the elderly that could not leave. Elderly or the, like, young and immature that thought they could stay behind and... Correct, yeah. Yeah, and certainly um, the elderly and young children are the responsibility of society, and that's where government and a lot of folks failed, for sure. Um, nationally, uh, Katrina didn't seem to have as bad of an impact on job numbers, like, throughout the U.S. as many thought it had. It mostly impacted, like, the local areas of where it hit. What, like, what is your opinion on that? Well, it affected the Gulf Coast states quite a bit, actually. I, I'm not an economist, but I know that, um, the infrastructure for oil production and refineries and uh, grain barges going down the Mississippi, everything that is that was going on along the Gulf came to a halt and came to a halt for a long time. And so it, it did have a huge economic impact on Gulf Coast states like Florida, Texas, Mississippi, um, and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So I would disagree that it d didn't have much of an impact, maybe well, most people thought, country, like, the whole I, country I had lost tons yeah. of... But the people that were really most immediately affected were the ones where it hit right. the hardest. Like, yeah. the shrimping and the oil and stuff, like the whole right. Gulf. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was a serious decline of jobs in the early 2000s, specifically in manufacturing jobs. But there was a rise in specialized jobs. Uh, how do you think that has impacted modern-day society like today? Well, I think that was going on long before the early 2000s. That's, the writing's been on the wall on manufacturing and specialized jobs. And our country's been you know, sending out manufacturing to other places, and, and uh, the jobs have been more and more technical and specialized. I don't know that I realized or or saw any more of that in the 2000s than before. I think it's been coming for a long time. Yeah, there was a decline of around seven, I don't know if it was million or billion manufacturing jobs and a rise of 32 million, it was million, 32 million specialized jobs. Yeah. So there was like a huge difference. That sounds about right. That. We've been getting warned about that since I was your age and was in high school, that that was coming, you know, so um, not not very surprising. Um, and it seems like it happened in the 90s as well and probably will keep happening. Yeah. Um, 
Do you think it's better that there are more specialized jobs forming than the amount of manufacturing jobs that were lost? I think it would be ideal if we could keep more manufacturing here um, because we have an economy now and a workforce that is very unbalanced where you know it seems like everybody's going to college to be a lawyer or a doctor or computer scientists. We don't have anybody to do the pipe fitting and the welding and the and the building so it leaves us weak in uh, self-sufficiency as a country to be able to take care of our our own plumbing. Yeah we've got a lot of immigrants or other people coming in and Mm -hmm. taking those jobs and then they make good money out of it so right um are there any specific places in the u.s where you feel that the decline of jobs has impacted certain areas the most well the steel belt for sure i mean places like pennsylvania and indiana um, ohio places where manufacturing was huge or you know a lot of ghost towns travel through there and seen the impact of it. It's not pretty. People are like migrating to bigger cities now. Well some of those were big cities. They're just uh, trying to transform themselves into different kinds of um, a, a different economy because those manufacturing jobs just aren't there anymore. So that's where I've seen most of the impact living in Austin. Austin's not a big industrial town. It is a big high-tech town, so we really haven't seen that at all. We've seen the inverse of that, which is lots of growth, lots of jobs, because this is where all the jobs have been going. This this kind of uh, industry, which is high-tech. Yeah.